Yo, what's up everyone? Hey, good evening. Long time no see, man. Good evening and welcome back to our Thursday night show. Yeah. I'm Peter from Mr. Money TV. Hi, Frankie here. Um, I, I have a channel called The Fuck Show. <laughs> <laughs> it always feels good to say it, yeah. right? Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. And tonight, our topic will be what is the hate in the market? Because so much has happened over the past one, two weeks, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just because we weren't around for one week, and then we got to catch up with everything. Mm. And the news was like, <laughs> oh, so many things going everything. on. Yeah. Right. Even Malaysia also have quite a fair bit of uh, headline news as well. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So today's, tonight's session is going to be pretty interesting, I believe. Mm. Right. Uh, and hopefully, uh, it's going to help you to be able to make better investment decision moving ahead. Because mm. at this very point right now, it's kind of like a very interesting moment we are in, right? Mm. It's kind of at that crossroad moment, mm. right? Uh, which we're going to talk about more in a short while. Yep. But before we begin, uh, allow us to do a simple ad plug first, yeah? Uh, which is on the... 30th. 30th of, of July. July. Yes, on the 30th of July, there will be a conference organized by Philip Capital. It's their 12th investment conference. Now, for those of you who would like to hear from some awesome financial speakers in Malaysia mm. to hear their investment strategy, their market outlook, and what are they thinking and how can you make money and what are some of the opportunities that are available in the market, this is one of the best events that you have yeah. to go to. It's quite worth going. Some of the speakers there are actually my uh, personal friends. Mm, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because since you know some of the speakers there, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you share a little bit about the kind of uh, speaker profile that they are actually inviting for this? Um, it's a wide spectrum. Uh, you have fund managers in their 30s all the way to their 50s or 60s. So you will have a taste of uh, different different investment style. You know, young people, they tend to be more aggressive, uh, more, more energetic and all that. So the the way they invest may be more aggressive as well compared to if you say you go to a speaker uh, breakout session whereby it is a more elderly or more veteran style, then they will tell you, oh, you know, you have to be safe. Uh, you must be cautious with uh, this kind of market condition and whatnot. So you will get a good mix of both spectrum. And then once you get those information, then you form your own opinion on that. Law. So because of that, I think this is quite a good um, event to attend if you have time and... Uh, yeah, you can go and take a look. That's right. And when we are talking about these speakers, these speakers are not uh, YouTubers like us or uh, whatnot, right? Yeah, they yeah, are yeah. really people in the industry. So um, basically, you are going to really hear from people in the fund management business talking about investing. Yeah, yep. you see there are six people here. So on the six people, I know four of them already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you should go, right? Uh, go and say hi to them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, for those of you who are interested, uh, uh, it's a hybrid event, so you can either attend it on, uh, in Bajar Times Square itself on that day, yep. or either you can actually attend it through their online event. So it's really up to you, uh, whichever you want to go to. Mm -hmm. But the good thing is this, when you sign up via our link using our code, you get a special discount. Mm. Yeah, a discount that you will not get if you use the normal sign up link in their websites, Correct. right? So uh, do click on the link and register for the event if you are interested to join. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, do allow us later also, we'll kind of like 
put in another plug for this one uh, when there are yep. more people as well. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So let's not waste time right now and go straight into the topic. Yep. Now, Frankie, mm. as we began tonight's session, we actually said that at this very moment, we are kind of in a very interesting position, right? Because mm. a lot of things has happened. So maybe we'd like to recap a little bit of what are some of the interesting highlights over All the right. past one, two weeks. Okay, the biggest highlight is no other than the US inflation at 9.1%. 9.1%. It's a big number. And uh, because it's so big, some people are actually saying that, oh, it cannot be be bigger than this already. But if you recall, last last month when they record 8.6, also people say, oh, this one very big already. It cannot be any bigger, right? So we really don't know when will be the peak of inflation. But from other indicators, like for example, energy prices, food prices, and then uh, the pace that everything is starting to slow down, it could be possible that 9.1% is the peak, right? But at, at least the probability of a peak is better now compared to last month when uh, uh, it was 8.6%. Yep, that's right. I recall during the time when they announced 8.6% and what happened is that oil price was still at about 100 plus. And remember at the point we kind of talked about it and then we say that uh, if oil price remain at 100 plus, what will happen is that the next CPI will likely be higher than Mm. the 8.6. And true enough, it happened. And this time around, it actually went to uh, 9.1, right? But the good thing was just a week before this or a few days before this, before the CPI announcement, oil price actually went below $100. Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually good news, right? Uh, yeah. Good and bad. The good news is it finally came down to below 100 The bad news is it came down below 100 because there's a lot of expectation that uh, the economy is going to go into recession. So if the economy goes into recession, then there is lesser demand for energy and therefore oil and gas demand will also drop. And because of that, then a lot of all this financial demand also took the opportunity to sell first before it became before it, it becomes a reality. So yep. yeah, there's always two co- two right. two phases right. of a coin one. Uh, so yeah. we will never know who is right, yeah. who's wrong. <laughs> so as as we were mentioning, I think in the past few episodes was uh we, we were talking about that oil price is one of the things that we see as indicator that has to come down in order to continue on you know, into a good news zone. What do we mm. mean by good news zone is basically all the bad news come out and yeah. supposedly nothing much bad news anymore. Yeah. And and true enough, uh, just a few days back when it dropped below 100 and then this time around hitting 9.1, then the question now is actually, has this all come to an end? Okay, so, yeah. so now... So, yeah, but before we go into that part, yeah. yeah, let us also recap a little bit on other news as well, right? Uh, mm. Let's not straight away jump into the most juicy thing. You're not oh, okay. going to leave the show straight away, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit about other news as well that has yeah. caught the headlines. Um, if you want to talk about Malaysia, then I think these few days, the biggest news is the Petronas the heir of uh, Sultan of Sulu, you know, claim sees uh, assets worth, I forgot how much was the money, but it was few a big amount. Yeah, a few billion on uh, assets in Sabah and all that because uh, they claim that uh, their ancestor uh, went into an agreement with one of the British company during the, the 1800s. Right. So, and then they took this case to, I think, France or somewhere, mm. right? Uh, and then they actually 
uh, won the case, I suppose. So therefore, uh, the court actually seized those assets. Um, the, so now there's a lot of argument from many parties. So from Petrona's side, they say that, oh, we have actually sold the asset. But uh, the Edge went to do some digging uh, and then they found that um, um, when everything was okay, Petronas actually have around 15% stake uh, in those uh, assets. And then along the way, they actually sold around 10% of it. But there was no record about the remaining 5% that they have. So when they actually sold it, nobody knows, but Petronas claimed that they sold already. Lah. So that was question number one. Question number two is obviously involves the sovereignty of Malaysia, right? You know, somebody yep. just come out with a paper and say, hey, this land is mine. <laughs> if if that becomes a reality, then I suppose more and more people will start to show paper and say, hey, this one also mine, that one also mine like that. <laughs> then uh, that one jabe already, right? Yeah. yeah. Apparently, one thing is that they actually, uh, they, they claim that... Um, what happens is that Malaysia owe that owe them the money, mm. and uh, basically the French arbitration court ruled in March that Malaysia has to pay the descendant of Sultan of Sulu at least sixty two point five nine billion. Mm. That is a lot of money, man. Yeah, but what's interesting is this, right? They kind of try to sweep this whole news under the carpet right now. You can see the whole government is not really responding at all. Mm. Just like. You know, I think I yeah. think if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> I read something about the uh, Malaysia is going to appeal. Yes, yeah, Malaysia uh, is going they to appeal. managed to ask for uh like like I, I can't remember the technical legal word for it, yeah. but basically is that it's kind of like a on hold kind of thing right, right. now. Like okay, you know, wait, 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 we're gonna do something about it. That kind right. of thing, right? Yeah, I can't re remember what's uh, mm. uh I think it's kind of like uh, putting a temporary stop to it, but there's a proper word to it but, mm. but but what's interesting is this you know i haven't heard of this sultan of sulu name for so long right <laughs> so like how the blue it came out correct yeah and i'm wondering actually who are they mm. yeah i really am wondering who are these people you know is it really a family or is it like because maybe it, it some kind doesn't of really have to do it. it also doesn't really have to do with philippines anymore mm. it's nothing to do with philippine government mm. i don't know if it's a family or something like that Probably some secret rich people right now, right? Mm. Yeah, you think about it, right? Because they can bring it into arbitration court. Correct. And that's a lot of money, you know. Yeah. But come to think of it, uh, a person that can have the original copy of the contract, uh, mm -hmm. even though you can't verify whether that that person is really the heir of Sultan of Sulu, but he must have some sort of connection with with that yep. with that royalty to have that paper one, right? Yep. Yep. So yep. he probably is something maybe cousin or long distance relationship or whatever. That one I don't know. Uh wait for the court to rule. But uh yala uh, as a Malaysian, I feel this is quite bad. Uh. Yeah. Quite bad. But I think it's quite interesting. Uh, until now, uh, I'm not sure what Petronas is saying about it. Mm. They don't seem to be a very aggressive like media statement that's going around right now. It's just kind of like no, not much of things that are being said. And and I'm actually quite excited to see what's going to come later mm. and what's ahead. And like you say, right, uh, one of the biggest problems is that if let's say it can really, it can really happen and Malaysia will really need to pay them, then, then yeah, there's this question about like, is it going to challenge Malaysian sovereignty? Mm. Uh, in and, and also it's going to be another case where like, you know, a lot of other kind of things can come in. La. Yeah. So how do you think this is going to affect Petronas or the stock market? 
Do you have any idea? Uh, no, I don't think it's going to affect uh, the stock market because Petronas is not listed. Uh, that's number one. But I think the implication is very big on uh, the Malaysian politics and it may affect the general election. So this is another bad news for the ruling government, which probably they need to rethink when they want to dissolve the parliament. Because if they dissolve it now, then I'm sure the opposition party is going to use this as one of the topics to, uh, to uh, mm-hmm. challenge the government today. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but one thing recently I threw in a very big goodie bag you know, to the people. They were mm. saying that uh, veterans' kids will be able to go to Uni Razak for free for one year, all mm. costs paid for. Wow. Yeah. So good, that's good. a that's a telltale sign, you know, it's just like you're trying to look for a recession indicator or other market positive indicator. Yeah. Goodie bags from government is an indicator yeah, about good, Yeah, correct, correct. <laughs> Goodie bags are coming out already, you know, Felda yeah. people they get uh, they get uh, a lot of financial assistance now. Um, I just read the news. Uh, my yes, memory yes. very bad uh, these yeah. these few weeks. <laughs> so it, it's really interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of actually excited to see what's gonna go ahead when mm. it comes to uh, election. And if those of you are wondering why are we talking about this, because election has a lot to do in Malaysian stock market, yeah. and that's something that you gotta pay attention to. Mm. Yeah. But definitely, let us switch our eyes back to the global stage because mm. that is definitely a much more juicier news at this point. Mm. Yeah, and uh, it is definitely a much bigger uh, mover of the market at this very point affecting Correct. Malaysia. It's kind of like Malaysian news at this point. It's not mm. that important. Yeah, external factor factor will play a more important role in the Malaysian stock market. Yes. Mm. Yeah. One more thing that I want to highlight before we go into uh, go into the global macro factors that we are talking about, right, is that uh, recently uh, an article has been circulating. It's kind of like an old news, right? But it's pretty exciting. It's to talk about glove industry. Mm. Yeah, talking about how uh, Tan Sri Lim mm. went to the moon and went back all came back all the way down to Earth <laughs> <laughs> by 80, 80 over percent of his uh, net worth uh, being, being wiped away because of top glove share price, mm. right? Now, uh, the thing I want to talk about is not so much about Tantri Lim, but more about the glove market mm. as a whole. Now, for the first time ever, or I wouldn't say for the first time ever, but for, for this period, it seems like Malaysia glove industry really start to feel the challenge mm. from China market. Yep. Because in the past, China market was not really a challenge to them. Yep. It was just like, China, nah, it's fine. We're still the Taiko, right? Mm. Yeah, but this is the first time you can kind of see that it's starting to affect us. Yep. So what are your thoughts on this? Because you have seen the whole evolution, right? I mean, you have been in yeah. industry for the past 10 years. Yeah. Okay, so for, for the past 10 years or for the longest time in history, Malaysia is unchallenged in the in the glove business. Right? We are always the world number one, right? We 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 export 60% of the world's glove demand. Uh, but just one pandemic alone, because this pandemic has caused a very severe shortage in glove. So Malaysia cannot support that kind of uh, demand. So therefore, China as the global manufacturing powerhouse, they say, okay, then I'm going to come in and uh, help help to produce more <laughs> gloves. Huh? So uh, they are plowing a lot of investments to build m- many more uh, glove manufacturing plants over there. And if you all recall, US also said that they want to be less dependent on imports on all this PPE. So yep. they also started building their own uh, manufacturing plants as well. So for the first time ever, Malaysian glove position, the top position is being challenged today. 
So um, I think we have mentioned this before as well during the peak of the glove rally. And also when it starts to come down, we also say that, yeah, top glove may seem that it's only trading at three times, but three times is historical already. You have to look forward. Look forward with all these new supplies coming in. You buy three times today, these three times will turn to 13 times maybe next year or the year after. And it mm. can go further, further and higher. Yeah. yeah. So it looks like at this point right now, uh, there is not just a challenge just in the macro landscape, mm. right? I mean, we talk about macro landscape when it comes to PPE. I think it's a growing business, yeah. right? But as the business grows, it's also it also attracts more competitors. And that is the next part that Malaysian uh, glove manufacturer are actually facing. And I think to a certain extent as well, when we talk about uh, China's side, right? Because of this uh, lack of PPE, it kind of also hastened the approval for FDA and all the medical Correct. kind of thing, right? Like Correct. previously, it's like, nah, I'm fine. I don't really need it. So, you know, Malaysian Glove already got the approval. So, you know, just continue using them, right? But suddenly, because of the lack of it, they have to redo their procedure. Okay, you know what? Correct. All of your will work. So let's just approve. And last time, more people got chopped away. All right. Last time, it takes at least three years to get FDA approval. Now it's like, I think as long as you, okay, like your quality, okay, and then they just let you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, one thing that's pretty interesting is that we saw, uh, I, I start to see there are a few complaints on uh, Facebook groups as well, talking about the expiry date of those gloves. Mm. Yeah, they were saying that, how come, ah, uh, Nowadays, uh, the Malaysian gloves that are produced, uh, they mm. are quite some, they shorten the expiry period. Mm. Uh, so that, that was quite interesting, right? Mm. Uh, it's not something that's catching on big headlines or mm. whatnot, but uh, just being a Kepochi investor, you know, you mm. want to pick all these up. And uh, that kind of, that kind of gives a hint that they are trying to clear. They are trying to get you to like, you know, do the, the, the stock turnover faster in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, but these are just, speculation based mm. on a few photos we'll never know now so the big question is this before we move into the global market once again right is that what are our thoughts about the recovery of glove do you think you will ever see the previous glory uh i think glove as a business uh, a macro view is that it will continue to grow uh, in fact, today because people are more hygienic people are more aware about uh uh, keeping yourself safe and all that. So I think even today when you go cut hair, sometimes the the barber also will wear gloves, right? You see restaurants today, they all serve food with gloves. Mm -hmm. So I think demand for gloves has increased um, structurally. Last time is seasonally, okay, uh, if there's a disease, then it go up and there's no disease, it go down. But now right. it's a structural change in glove demand. Because now more industries, more businesses are using gloves as well. So I think uh, on the demand side, it has moved, it has shifted. But so now it's a battle between the demand shifted more or the supply shifted more. If the supply shifted more and knowing that China is, is very mm -hmm. fast with coming out with a lot of supply. So if that's the case, then you have an oversupply situation. Yeah. Then that would push your glove prices down. Yeah. yeah. So my, my personal thought when it comes to this is that uh, if you actually look at uh look at this part, I think I think the the threat that that our local glove industry currently right now is facing is actually more of the supply side kind of threat. It's not so much the threat in terms of the lack of demand, but but 
you know, it's more competitors. So mm. that is something definitely to watch for, you know. And so then it will come down to uh, individually as a company, do they have the capacity to compete and so on and so forth. Mm. And, and here's where you need to go down deep into analyzing the individual glove stocks that you actually hold. Like for example, Top Glove, how do they actually run their business? Are they more people dependent or machine dependent, uh, how fast they can produce a glove, right? Uh, I think here's where, when you actually look at a company like Hata Lega, right? Who's much more advantageous in terms of technology and uh, lesser manpower to production ratio, right? Um, then there could be uh, a good sign for people like that. Right, who are much more innovative and so on. Because Malaysia at this current point also, we are facing a lot of problem in terms of foreign workers mm. import, right? They are bringing in foreign workers, uh, higher wages and so on. So um, when it comes to competing in the world stage, let's not forget that uh, China is able to produce things super cheap, right? So you got to compete with China and, and yeah, that's a big question there. So uh, I think the thing is this, right? At the end of the day, I believe some of you actually may have hold certain glove stock and whatnot. Um, during this period of time, as we were mentioning, this is where I'm going to tie back into the global stage. As we mentioned at the start of this video today, or this uh, session today, we talk about right now, we are in a very interesting position in the market because this is kind of like the time that you want to ask yourself, are you going to restructure your portfolio at this very moment? Yeah, because there's two two kind of stories that we are looking at at this very point. We are talking about right now, CPI inflation has already hit 9.1, the highest ever that we have seen in the past 40 years in the US. Uh, but also at this very same time, we are seeing oil price going down, hmm. which usually when oil price going down is a good sign that inflation is slowing down. Now, so the first story is inflation is slowing down and, or, and, and what will happen is that the next CPI will drop. And once it drops, it shows that all the bad news is kind of out, at least maybe 90% right now. Then it means that the market will slowly turn more positive. Yeah, that is the general idea. However, there's also the other side of the story, right? Yeah, Frankie, you want to tell the other side of the story? Mm, um, I'm more towards the, the other side of the story. Uh, okay. Uh, um, I'm, I'm not for either one. We're oh, just okay. explaining. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, to, to help me to, to build a more concrete opinion on this, uh, I would have to look at this round of earnings season, uh, which in the US, it will start today. Um, I think Morgan Stanley already released their result. Uh, it, it missed estimates so that is already the first bad sign already right so uh but us is going into earning season uh i think a lot of companies will start to show very bad numbers uh which is a good sign right because uh we mentioned before um when 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 all these companies start to show all these bad results analysts is going to do their downgrades and whatever and uh, we all know that uh, all these people, when they do downgrades, is a very passive kind. When they, they 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 are not the proactive to say, okay, I think it's going to go down. I'm going to downgrade today. No, that's not how they usually work. So when they start to downgrade those stocks, then it could actually mean that it's the worst already. So from there, then I think it has a higher chance for the market to do a U-turn. Uh, but having said that, 
we don't know how many quarters are these corporates going to report bad earnings. This is just the first quarterly result that they are going to show all these uh, negative signs out, right? And um, because inflation is 9.1%, now there's a lot of speculation that say that the Fed is going to increase 1% in two weeks' time. But there's also another school of thought that says that you already increased so much and it is already slowly taking uh, effect. So actually, you don't need to be so aggressive anymore going forward. Again, up to everyone to argue, law, right? It's a debate that nobody can win until the relate the reality comes out and they make a decision whether they want to increase by 1% or not. Yep. Yep. So there's always two sides of the story. And uh, as I I quickly point out is that we are not trying to tell you that we are standing on either side and saying that like, hey, this is an approach that you should take, right? Mm. Yeah, that's why I quickly tell him that. No, 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 we are not standing on either side, right? Yeah, because I don't want you all to end up buying a stock or like making an investment decision because you think we said it. The the point of the show is to help you to make an informed decision, to help you to make your own decision more confidently. So what we are doing is that we're trying to provide you with different perspectives Mm -hmm. so that you can make your decision. Now, so that's what we are saying right now. We are in this very interesting moment. Mm. Right. Uh, and and we know that in the past, uh, some of you have been holding some very, very bad stocks. Yeah. Uh, the reason why is because you, you guys text us and tells us about it. Lah, right. So we know <laughs> about it. Right. Mm. Yeah. So um, the good thing is this. This is a window of opportunity for you to restructure your portfolio. So if let's say you are holding certain stocks that you really don't see it being able to recover in the near term right? And even when the general economics is going to do well, but those companies they're holding may not do well. Let me give you an example, right? If we all know that the whole market has crashed, right? Okay, crash, crash, that's all right. Yeah, whether you're holding good company or bad company also, it's going to come down because it's, it crashed, that's all right. But there are certain companies that even when the economy recover, it will not go up again because the company just stuck. That's all. Hmm. <laughs> and maybe you have been buying this company in the past because you were trying to speculate, you know, thinking that you can earn a fast profit. The good news is this, because everything dropped, so now is your chance to switch your portfolio into things that you believe can go up, which are actually good fundamental companies hmm. who will actually ride along the macro wave and go up. And that's your best chance of recovery. So here's the best time that you actually really need to rethink about your portfolio. All right. Yeah. And allow me to drop this quick, quick uh, plug. plug again. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we are running a stock investing boot camp very, very soon. Uh, it will be on the 22nd to 24th of July. Yeah. Which is uh, next week. Oh yeah. yeah, so fast. Huh? For those of you who have been asking us uh, how to start investing in the stock market, this is the workshop that we have for you. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we are not saying that when you come to this workshop, you are definitely going to be rich. You're going to earn a lot of money, that kind of stuff. No, that's not the point. Uh, the part of this workshop is just like every other uh, content that we have, right? Mm-hmm. It's to help you to be more informed, to empower you to make your own decision when it comes to stock investing in a no hoo ha ra motivational, that kind of uh, thing, right? Think of this as a tuition, yeah? Think of it as a tuition to help you to 
learn better. Now, at the end of the day, you can learn the exact same thing if you pick up a few books and spend a few more years or watch a lot more stuff. Uh, but yeah, just think of this as a more systematic way of uh, helping you to understand the market better. Mm. That's all about it. So if you like to join us, you can also use our code, uh, which is SIB50 and you get a 50 ringgit off. All right. Now, uh. Yeah, this time round, the pricing is a little bit higher. The reason being is because uh, we couldn't secure a sponsor this time round. Yeah. So because there's no sponsor, so we're going to charge a normal full price. Yeah, yeah we, were, we were trying very hard to get a sponsor. But uh, because uh, if you have been following our live uh, session for a while, uh, you, you will notice that we actually uh, decided to do this at the very, very last minute because we thought that with this kind of market condition, we want to do it quick. We, you know, yep. we... we we get everyone more educated so that in case suddenly the whole market turns, then at least investors know what they want to do with their portfolio. So so with so with that short notice when we go to approach those sponsors, then they say, ah, it's very hard Too for me to get, to get approval from my boss, yep. you know, and all that. So uh so sorry. So yeah. So that is the reason why we were we were unable to secure any sponsor this time around. Yep. That's mm. right. Yeah. So uh, that's all about it. At the end of the day, you're going to learn how to in, uh, evaluate a stock in a fundamental manner. You're going to learn how to uh, do a calculation on intrinsic value. You're going to find out what it, what matters, what doesn't, uh, how to actually do it, what are some of the metrics to look at, and a little bit of technical analysis. Yeah. And when to buy and when to sell. These are the things. Okay. Yep. So uh, maybe just a quick plug for Philip Capital as well. Yeah. Sorry, this time around, we all got a lot of plugs. <laughs> Please bear with us. Yeah. So when we talk about um, investing, uh, Philip Capital, they are having their 12th investment conference. Uh, it's going to be on the 30th of July between 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. The speakers lineup are fantastic because they have one of the best financial speakers in town. In mm. fact, they got almost 20 of them, right? I think more than that. More than that. Yeah. Huh? And all these people are truly fund managers uh, and so on. People who are really in the business. So uh, don't expect, uh, hi, what's up? That kind of thing. Like, it's going to be, you know, super corporate, you know, mm. like they're going to tell you like how they talk to professionals. Yeah. Hey, so, I think, I think the timing is good between SIB and this one. So you, 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 you go to SIB and then, then you get your fundamental knowledge with it. Then when you go to the Philip oh, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you will have a better understanding. Oh, when he said this, it yeah, actually what he means. is like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think if you do not have, I think if you are a total, total beginner and you, you, you have no idea, one, I think you go the lost. one, you're yeah. going to be quite lost. Yeah, yeah, because they're going to, they're all professionals, so they're speaking their lingo. Yeah, yeah anyway, uh, if you're interested, yeah, just join this particular uh, uh, conference and there is a special, price. a special prize for you when you sign up under our link. Yeah. And what happened is that you get a, I think it was, it's a way cheaper price, right? Special discount. Yeah. yeah. Special I can't discount. remember what's the amount, if you la, click, but it's cheaper. If, la. if you straight away go to the website, you cannot get that price one. La. You must use our link. Only you can get that price. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that's all about it. Thank you very much for being patient with us. Let's go back to our topic. Right now. So, that is the condition of the market at this point. Mm. Mm. So personally, just now you actually said that you 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 felt that you know, you think the situation number two is more likely. Mm. Yeah. So uh, what you are saying is that you are thinking the market could actually go worse, right? Yep. And when it comes to this side of the story, uh, people who are like Michael Burry has been keep saying he said that the market is actually going to get worse soon. Mm. It's not going to be that 
simple, you know. Mm. Uh, even when you talk about crypto community, they are saying that it's going to drop until about 12 to 13 at least, or are they even 5K before it starts rebounding, right? Mm. So why do you think this is going to happen? And what are, or what are the signs that you see that makes you feel that mm, this is more likely? Okay, so interest rate is going to go up from 1.25%. If they increase another 1%, it's going to be 2.25%. That's almost 100% increase, right? So your 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 interest expense is going to go up. If you have a house loan, uh, I don't know where you're going to find the money to pay double the loan amount. If you own a business, it's the same. You need to pay double the amount of money. Um, but having said that, because stock market is always about expectation. And just now we also mentioned that probably 1.25% is already high enough. So maybe the Fed may not increase 1%, maybe 75, maybe 50, or or even in extreme cases, just increase another 25 can already. If if anything below that 100 basis point or 1%, uh, it's going to be a good news to the market. Yep. So I think in the short run, because the interest rate increase is less than what the market expects, your stock market can suddenly jump up by 5%, 10%. It, it is possible and it totally makes sense because the market has been on a downtrend for a good six, seven months. Because they're desperate for good news. Correct, correct. They're desperate for good news. So this one little good news is going to boom, you know, the, the whole market is going to turn. But this is a start of a nightmare. <laughs> it's a start of a nightmare because even though the increase of interest rate is, is not 1% as people expected, it could be lower, but it is still an increase, right? For businesses, for people who own houses and all that, you still need to fork out more money to pay those loans. Mm -hmm. So after those two, maybe a few days of a good rally, maybe stock can go up, the whole market can go up by 5%, 10% or whatnot. If you go and chase, then when reality kicks in, uh, then you are going to suffer even more because when it went down, you say, okay, I think the market bullshit one is a scam. So you sell. Then when it go up 5%, you say, oh, you market come back, you go and buy. And then when reality <laughs> kicks in, it go down another 20, 30%, then you're going to, you know, all your life saving will be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be very careful in the next, I think, 30 to 60 days ahead. Mm. 30 to 60 days ahead because there's going to be for sure, within these 30 to 60 days, there will be some kind of this kind of good news that will that will push the market one leg forward, right? Because there's, right. there's just too much bad news lately. Yeah. yeah. So you, you have to think about the whole thing in a very chronological order and give yourself some uh, some uh, some space to look at it. Now, uh, first thing, this is the first time that we are really going through a very, very bear market hmm. with many retail traders. Yeah, they haven't seen a crisis before. This, this is the first time, okay? <laughs> because the first time when retail traders saw a crisis was during COVID and then after that, it was a U-turn and the bull just went off the charts, mm. right? Now, and this is the first time that many retails are in to... And, and, and it's going to be a long bear in a sense, right? Now, so you, you have to think about it this way, right? When, if let's say inflation tames down and Fed says that we are going to slow down on pride on our rate hike. It doesn't mean that they are not going to continue hiking rates. It means they are just going to slow down. No. So just like what Frankie earlier said, that is going to lead to people having to fork out more money in the next quarter or the next few months to pay for bills. 
So what it means is that for the next maybe two quarters, people won't have extra money. And when people don't have extra money, what will happen to the earnings of companies? It will go down. And as those businesses have their earnings going down, then you will see some closing down over two quarters. And remember, two quarters of loss uh, is actually very, very bad. Uh. Mm. Yeah, it's very, very bad. Businesses can just die on uh, us. Seriously, no joke. Uh. And then people start to feel, right? Because what happened is that, oh, crap, I don't think the economy will ever, ever recover. This is how people will feel by then. No, but for people who are long enough in the industry, they will feel that, oh, great, means mm -hmm. end of all the bad news. Uh. Yeah. yeah, so 90% uh, chance now is going to as low as it can be. So in, in the market psychology terms, they, they call during this period, right? Uh, when you look at the market cycle, it's called capitulation. Yeah, so it's, it's a period where people kind of... Give up. Yeah, slowly go into despair. Mm. <laughs> people are going to slowly go into despair. So the, the, the point here is that if when you see the market rebound, uh, there could be a chance for you to make a quick trade and earn some money. But but if you are looking at a long-term horizon, don't go all in again. Just don't go all in. Yeah, don't, don't be so desperate for the good news and after that, think that everything is going to be great. Then you put your money in. Now, on, on the other side is this, right? Is that if you actually have a job right now and you you managed to save up some money, you are actually in a good position. In fact, someone actually just texted us today, you know, saying that uh, they want us to take a look at their portfolio. Yeah. Um, okay. They asked us if we do any portfolio review services and financial advisory. Okay. The answer is actually no. La. We, we don't yet do that. We don't do any personal coaching as well at this point. Uh, maybe in future as we build up a fintech platform, you know, whatnot, that kind of thing, right? We may, uh, but not at this point. But, if you need us to like, you you need someone to talk to, you want us to take a look at stuff, you know, just give us a call. If we are free, we are more than willing to buy you a drink and then have a chat with you. Mm. Yeah. So no money charging because we don't do this as a business. Now, uh, however, if you are a bank and you want to give us money for marketing, different story. <laughs> <la>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, then this person said this one thing. I'm not very sure whether my money right now is being put in good use because about 80% of my money is in liquid state. I was thinking, that's a good news. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's a good news. I yeah. wish I have 80% liquid like you, <laughs> but yeah. I don't. That's a good news. Yeah. yeah. In fact, right now, the best game is actually to increase your liquidity. Yeah. Remember last two weeks, we actually talked about, just look at those fun houses, how they're playing, just by uh, looking at their fun fact sheet. Their, their, their cash position now is at all-time high. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Around 12, 13%. Yeah. And, and that is something that they, they, they usually are supposed to be 90 over percent invested, not mm. holding 10, 12% in cash, you know, and mm. they are holding 10, 12% in cash. That is actually telling you something, you know, uh, there, there's also this saying that hopefully it helps you, right? We, they always say this one thing, when you want to eat the fish, uh, don't eat the head, don't eat the tail, eat the body. So it's okay. Even if you miss the first rebound, you know, that initial, entry right uh before a bull market you know it's okay play safe you got a long time to go you know just eat the body the the front part the head could be a fake head you know <laughs> it's actually not a head it's a tail you know mm. then you mati you continue to go down you know so you know wait yeah so that that's something that i'll suggest most people to do yeah and 
So that is what we are talking about in the market ahead when it comes to the stock market. Now, however, what are some of the factors that are that are kind of like the hidden tiger and hidden dragon and hidden crouching dragon. tiger that is in the market right now that is like wow, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Mm. Yeah, we, we did mention about the war, right? We did mention China is kind of like that ticking mm. time bomb at this point right now. Uh, what other things that you can think of? Uh, in the global scene, um, yeah, China is still pretty much a ticking time bomb uh, apart from the Taiwan situation. Uh, their their um, budget deficit is also at a three-year low. Right. Uh, in fact, their budget deficit, uh, I just read the news just now, it's a 600% lower compared to last year. Six times lower. No? That means they have spent so much money because they need to fight the COVID-19 virus. Uh, at the same time, they need to come out a lot of funding to help the people who may lost the job or uh, going through all these financial difficulties. So there's a lot of financial burden on the government right now and they are all using their coffer in the balance sheet to do all this funding for the country. So if they also fall into a recession or or they lose that mojo, they lose the steam in the economic driving seat, right? Then it may actually accelerate your bear into a big fat bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the, the China being one of the major market, right? Yeah. yeah so if that that yeah, yeah. Correct. They, uh, in fact, China is encouraging their local governments to go and raise your own bonds already right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably so, they say federal government cannot help you too much. Are you going to raise your own money? So it's quite an interesting thing, yeah. right? At this point. Yeah. So that's a market that we have to watch to actually really pay attention to. Maybe, maybe, maybe what will happen is that uh, I'm just simply throwing balls here, right? Yeah. Could be, could be that uh, China made it in, into the big fat bear and that's where the real trickle that Mm. They're kind of like the last straw on the camel's back, right? Mm. Yeah, because at this point right now, they still hope that when China economy opens up, it's going to help to drive the economy. Mm. But if let's say when China economy opens up and it doesn't help to drive the economy, yeah, that's mm. where the big fat bear comes in, mm. right? Yeah. Okay, this this is something that uh, the older people used to tell me. I said, hey, young boy, you never see a crisis before. <laughs> you know, when a crisis, uh, you won't think of whether the market will go up or, or go down when. You won't think about whether you will get bonus at the end of the year. You will think whether you got job or not the next day. That is when you know you are at the deep of the crisis. So if you have been saving cash and all that, right? And if you still have a job at the end of it and people around you are like, I oh, no more job. I don't know how to feed my family and all that, right? And if you still have cash during those times, right? Those are the cash that can really, really turn you into... Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 something that you may not be able to imagine. Yeah, having yeah. said that, right? Uh, do you think it's a good time to actually invest in gold? Uh, gold is a tool to hedge against inflation, but it didn't really show that power this time round. Uh, because there are a lot of external factors that is affecting gold prices as well. Uh, but if let's say the whole world economy is going to go into a long, a prolonged recession and even a depression. Like, for example, Lira has gone down to know by how much. Now your euro is also parity with US dollar. So all this money is becoming worthless, lack of a better word. So if money becomes worthless, and the only way is to go back to the most traditional form of transaction, which yep. is gold. 
So yeah. gold, even though it is not showing its power by hedging against inflation, but it is very stable right now. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think one thing interesting about gold is that uh, at this point right now, it's kind of like coming to this stable point. It kind of like dropped a bit, but it's not much of a drop. It's actually just from... Uh, just one year low though. It's one yeah. year low though. So yeah. it's not much of a like great drop. Lah, what I mean is mm. like, it's not like two, three years kind of mm. drop, right? So it's, it's still quite okay. Yeah, uh, I, I think to a certain extent, gold is a good thing to have in your portfolio. Mm. Uh, but not so much of like going all in, thinking that the world is going to end that kind of sound. But yeah, having a bit of gold, it's pretty important uh, to a certain extent. Mm. Yeah, and having said that, you you guys can actually use uh, uh, quantum metal, right? Uh, they sell gold from Perth Mint. Yeah, so for those of you who are wondering why I talk about quantum metal, it's because, yeah, it's under Perth. They buy they sell you Perth Mint Gold. And Perth Mint Gold basically means it's a Australian government guaranteed gold. Mm. They are, it's not their own brand of gold like Tome, you know, whatnot. So for those who are looking at buying gold, right, you must always remember this. Uh, the gold that you buy from Pokong or Tome or those uh, may not really hold the value to a certain extent uh, because when you buy the time, there is already uh, charges on workmanship and so on. And by the time you sell the gold, people will only take it in at 30% discount. Mm. So having... Having a, a physical, certified, yeah, having certified a certified goal. goal, yeah, that is what's important. Because if let's say you have a perfine goal, you can take the exact same perfine goal and then you can go to US right now when you sell it, it's not going to be that cheap. No, it's not going to be that low. La. The discount is not going to be 30%, mm. probably about 7 to 10% mm. somewhere there because they still need the workmanship to to like melt the gold back, you know, and stuff like that. But generally, the point is that it is certified. And uh, it is a gold that can be trusted based on the brand. Yeah. So uh, go and check out Quantum Metal. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to. Uh, now, uh, there's also an option when you use Quantum Metal is that you can first buy the paper gold first. And then after that, if you want to mint it out, you can choose to mint it out. The interesting thing is you can actually go to, I think, Jalan Gasing or Jalan Templar. I can't remember. There's a gold ATM there. So you can actually go there and then mint out the gold if you want to. But when you mint out gold, there's extra charges. Uh, don't forget, huh? Because workmanship always need money, okay? No one's going to do things free for you. So yeah, you can check out Quantum Metal if you would like to. Um, there are different kind of products inside there, but that's a topic for another day. Uh, but generally, that's something that you can use. Now, uh, let's go back to the next thing, right? Mm. Yeah, uh, which is... Since we are talking about gold, right, and we are talking about market, we can't help but to talk about crypto because it's also one of the things <laughs> that we have, right? Yeah. yeah. But crypto market has come to a point that is so sad at this point, right? Today, we received an email from Celsius mm. uh, and that, that email was such a beautifully written email, you know? Mm. We have applied for protection of asset. Mm. If chapter 11, then I look at chapter 11, I say, like, oh, bankruptcy, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right, and they're so beautiful. Actually, it's bankruptcy, lah, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yes, uh, Celsius has already filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting at this point. Yeah, I think uh, many of the crypto companies are going bankrupt, especially those that did not manage their money very well or either they did not have a very strong foundation. I mean, just a few months back, we were talking to the CEO, right? Alex hmm. Machinsky, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, actually what happened, uh, once they filed this bankruptcy, we actually pulled off some of the video already. The reason being is because we don't want you guys to... Continue to yeah, put yeah. more money inside. Yeah, because yeah. Because at this point, is money can go in, but money cannot come out. Yes, yes. So please don't. Yeah. So I'm not sure whether people go and watch and then go and put in money. So I we decided to pull it off. Yeah. Um. 
yeah, I think that's the thing that mm. is pretty sad. So three arrow capital also gone. That's a uh, older news, right? Yeah, and uh, the fellow now is a uh, kind of like a fugitive, right? It's pretty sad actually. Yeah, looking at it. But what do you think is going to happen to the crypto market? Do you think the crypto market has already reached its lowest or do you think there's going to be more to go? Uh, I still stand to my view that I mentioned, I think two or three weeks back. Uh, I think crypto is there already. Why is that so? Is because uh, when the market starts to turn bare, uh, you have to remember that people who invested in cryptocurrencies are generally very young investors and they don't have much experience about investment. So they go pretty much with feelings. They go pretty much with sentiment. They go pretty much with technical. Uh, so when they see oh, bear coming already. So all they do is, oh, they just close eye, they sell without even thinking what is going on actually. So safe to say that, well, this is my opinion. Of course, I'm, I'm not God or whatever, but my opinion is that the market has already flushed out all these people. And why Bitcoin is at 19,000 now and uh, whatever coin is, is at what price today are generally those people who really, really believe in those projects, those crypto projects. So I think crypto investors are left with that kind of people. So what all you need now is that when the market turns bullish, then when people buy until there's nothing else to buy already and people are greedy and they always look for things that can make even more money, then you have a new wave of investors going into crypto again. Then you will have a very good crypto market lo, during that time. Mm. So, but having said that, because of what I have uh, mentioned just now. So I think the wave will come from the stock market first. After the stock market finish, it's rally ready. Then people think, okay, now it's pretty much fairly valued and I need to look for more returns because I am, I am very aggressive. You know, I have a lot of money now. I've just earned a bunch of money from the stocks. I need to find somewhere to put my money and then only crypto market will follow. So yeah. I think it is going to be a long process. Huh? Yep. I guess uh, what he's trying to say is that uh, what he's trying to say is that over a long term, we still think that the crypto is actually in a, in a good position long term, right? Yeah, I think over a long term, I'm bullish on crypto, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I think if you actually look at uh, what do you call that? Solana, right? Um, actually, it started going up. Yeah, especially after the mobile thing, right? Mm. And then uh, recently, another good news, you know, NFT, but, 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 I also have to say this one thing. My views and Frankie's views are a little bit different in terms of near short term. Mm -hmm. uh, he thinks that the market won't go down any further. I think that the market will still kind of go down a little bit, but I think it's going to be pretty much short term. You know, it's kind of like maybe it may suddenly touch uh, 13K or 5K and then it will go up. Now, uh, I really don't know whether it will or not. And I'm not 100% saying that it will, but I, I feel that it will because... I think more and more bankrupts are going to come. That's my own personal opinion. And I think it's going to come to this point where people will really feel that crypto is dead. Uh, but to a certain extent as well, many people are already feeling crypto is dead. Now, however, I think that there could be still another drop. The reason being is because when the market start recovering in other parts, like for example, tech, I don't discount the fact that there will be traders who wants to catch the market fast, will actually start taking out money from crypto and then go there first. Mm. And that will cause another wave of drop, right? But we will never know. Uh, however, my own position is this, whenever it's down below 20K, I start to buy some and I, I go into batches. Lah. 
basically what I do is that I go into patches. Uh, like, like I've already been telling you guys, right? I prepare some cash and I'm just going to enter a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, right? And then wait. Yeah. So, but I think moving ahead, what you'll be looking at in the market is actually projects that are good. Yeah, I think moving on ahead after this incident, a lot of the lousy projects will not will not be so easy to stand anymore. Lah. Yeah, it, it you will need to learn to look at fundamentals when it comes to crypto. Need to look at the projects and so on. I think one of the most hopeful news that I'm looking at also is uh, when it comes to stablecoin regulation. Yeah, uh, why do I say that? I feel that the market could dip a little bit more is because you do not know what's going to entail when it comes to the stablecoin part. And because right now, so many countries are talking about building their own CD, CBDC. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what happened is that I feel this is just my own personal feeling, right? It could be right, could be wrong, right? I feel like there are still some bad news ahead. Yeah, especially if let's say more and more governments suddenly say that, oh, we are going to develop our own CBDC and then therefore eradicating uh, uh, cryptocurrency. If let's say they really do that, then crypto will actually have to brace through another small storm. Hmm. Yeah, because I don't see CBDC being able to really implement it as fast as crypto la, because, well, it's the government. Hmm. Government are never known to be fast. Hmm. So eventually it's kind of like, ah, whatever. La. <laughs> yeah, but there'll be still some bad news. Now, over long term though, I still think that it's going to be good. Yeah, so for me, my crypto portfolio is kind of like there and I've not exited. It's still there. Uh, hmm. Same thing with uh, Frankie as well, right? We still hold to it. Yeah, and just chill. Uh. Let's wait. Hopefully, in 10 to 20 years, we'll be a multi-millionaire that. <laughs> or either, we will just laugh at it and say, ha, we were stupid or we didn't, didn't manage to see it. Mm. But, this is something that I always tell myself, right? At the end of the day, right? When you're investing in Amazon at the start, everyone will say that you're stupid. You get the last laugh when Amazon made it. But if Amazon didn't made it, you also, okay lah, you know, it's like that lah. Because you think about the guy who invested in Amazon. He probably invested in 10 different things, right? Yeah, and that two or three made it and it made him rich. Hmm. And it is a perspective and a, and a, how to say, it's, a, it's your, it's your risk-taking ability and the way that you see the future as an investor. And that's something very, very important. Yeah, uh, it's just like a VC, right? invest in 20 companies and some will fail, hmm. right? That's just how it works. Yeah. But I'm also telling you this one thing. Uh, if you don't have that kind of appetite, then don't invest in high risk stuff law. Then just go with the standard ETFs or either. Uh, or maybe REITs. Uh, I just published a new video yeah. on REITs. So you all can check that out. So later. Yeah. That's right. Mm. Yeah. So uh, that's all when it comes to crypto and when it comes to the stock market generally. I think what you can do right now is that we're going to open up for a time of Q&A from you guys. And before we go into this Q&A, while we wait for you guys to tell us more, uh, ask us more questions, uh, we are just going to do a very simple ad plug again, right? Yeah. For those of you who didn't very fast, uh, it's just we are going to be doing our... Uh, stock investing bootcamp between 22nd to 24th of July. Yes, 22nd to 24th of July. Yeah, you will be learning how to actually 
evaluate the stock, how to calculate intrinsic value, how to know when to buy, when to sell. You will be looking at uh, how to read financial statements and a lot of other stuff, mm -hmm. right? Uh, generally, it's going to be a three days event yeah, where we'll guide you through uh, all the different kind of things. Uh, basically, it's to help you to build financial literacy and empowering you to actually make your own financial decision. Now, some of you will be asking, um, can uh, what, like end of day, what, uh, can you actually learn it elsewhere? Yes, you can. You can pick up a few books, you can read it and you can get it. Think of it as a tuition. Yeah, just like you get a tuition for your kid, right? That's the same idea here, just that these are adult tuition. So uh, don't think that when you come here, you're going to be rich. Number two, if you already understand the stock market, please don't come. Yeah, please don't think that because it is cheap. So you just want to come and experiment a bit. Yeah, only come if you really need to learn. Okay, don't waste your money. Yeah, you if not, you can uh, give me the money and then I do other things for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so generally that's about it. Let us uh, go back into Q&A. All right, any question at this point? Google going split by by by. Huh? Uh, okay, anyone this, this, know which? Oh, okay, you want to answer that? Yeah, uh, Francis, I think you should come and join our SIP. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay, uh, just to give a short comment on on this statement, uh, whether there's a split, whether there's a bonus issue, it will not affect the fundamental of the business. So it doesn't really change anything fundamentally. Uh, all it does is it does create more liquidity in the market. So it's easier to buy and sell because uh google has google i think is like two thousand over dollars right mm. if i'm not mistaken so wow previously if you want to buy one google share it's two thousand over dollars you times four is like ten thousand ringgit right so once they split or oh, now the entry is a little bit smaller you can go in like maybe uh a few thousand maybe five six thousand you can buy one share already uh but having said that the one share that you buy after split and the one share that you own before the split is also very different because it has split into smaller chunks already. Ma. So you are, you are just owning a, a smaller chunk of a bigger company. Yeah. But uh, having said that, um, if you use interactive broker, you can buy even smaller, smaller, smaller chunk because they have this thing called the, uh, what do you call that? Fractional share. Fractional share. So you can buy like 0, 0.00 something share. So even with just 10 bucks, 50 bucks, you can also own a small portion of Google yeah. if you like it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I personally use an interactive broker to actually buy stocks in the US. Uh, I think it's one of the best in my opinion. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. if you buy US stocks through Interactive Broker is zero brokerage, if I'm not mistaken. It's very low or zero. Yeah, yeah zero. super low or zero. Yeah. Now, the, the good thing about them is that uh, they are very, they're actually very, very long in the market. Super long in the market. Yeah, yeah. They're one of the oldest. But they also want the most compliant, so they don't do any promotion. Mm. <laughs> so mm. they don't challenge jurisdiction. They are registered in mass, uh, Singapore, US, uh, everywhere in the world. Uh, yeah, very. Yeah, they are one of the longest. Yeah, yeah, very long. No, no marketing, no what mm. Yeah, so pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I think the thing that I love the most is actually fractional share because being a Malaysian. We are not that rich. So let's say if I want to buy a Tesla or I want to buy an Amazon or Google, sometimes all I have is just 100 USD every month. And that allows me to buy in into Apple. It allows me to buy into Google and even have a portfolio just with 
100 bucks. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested, just click the link in the comment, click that link, that link, yeah, in the comment. <laughs> yeah, then you can yeah. find out more details inside. Yes, yeah. that's right. Mm. Global debt market. Global debt market, uh, 120 plus T, equity 40 plus T, crypto 800B, yeah, uh, trillion, trillion, billion, interest rate up only, bankrupt incoming. Um, I don't really know how to answer this question, actually. I, because I don't I get don't. the context of 120 trillion, 40 trillion, 800 trillion, and then interest rate going up, so bankrupt coming. Mm. So I, I'm so sorry, I don't know how to answer this. Yeah. yeah. So Akong is asking, is it a good idea to buy investment apartment? I must say rental income too low. Ah, um, okay. I think when you are buy a investment apartment at this point, right? Uh, are you going to buy with cash or you're going to buy with loan? If you are buying a loan, you must remember that uh, interest rate is going up. So what does it mean? The cost of acquisition is going to be higher, right? Uh, rental income wise. So you got to ask yourself this question. What kind of apartment are you talking about? Now, assuming if you are going to enter into a recession period, people are going to lose their jobs. Do you think people are going to downsize their life or they're going to up, upgrade their lifestyle? So that kind of tells you what kind of apartments mm. are going to do better during this period of time. So those are part and parcel of the factors that you want to play with. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you're looking at a very long-term investment, I would say that property does kind of provide that. Yeah. The only time that property will not give you a good return is if the, com if the country itself... <laughs> It's going to say goodbye. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So next question. Uh, Frankie, you want to pick one? Uh, why JP Morgan miss their earnings even though interest rate high cycle usually benefits banking sector? Uh, Jason, I think you should also come to SIV event. Uh, okay. So this one, you need to understand uh, the banking sector in the sense that um, for banking stocks, you don't start by looking at the PL. Always start by balance sheet. Because the PL is a uh, follow market fluctuation one. So it's very hard to gauge how much profit that they are making. You have to look at the balance sheet and the strength of the balance sheet means how, how well can the loan be collected back and how much good loans you are giving out so that you can make more money. Okay, so why, why JP Morgan missed their earnings is because they are expecting the market to be very bad going forward. And because of that, they are, they are reserving more cash for, for bad loans. See, for what does bad loan mean? So bad loan means that um, if I loan him money and then he go bankrupt himself, so he cannot pay me back. Ma, so that loan will become bad. So when that money is missing, I need to use my own coffer to fill the hole. So JP Morgan is expecting that a lot of bad, bad loans is going to come in the future. So they are saving more cash for that day to come. And because you are pulling more cash away from the business, so therefore uh, it affects their PL as well. Their profit will go down because you are pulling more reserve away from the business. Yeah. I yeah. uh, hope that helps you to understand, but basically, yeah, it's quite complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's go into the next thing is that buying Birkin bags. Yeah. Maybe you can. Yeah, one thing is that uh, I think Rolex market also dropped already. Uh. Yeah, but, but, but although it dropped, the price is still higher than retail. So, mm. 
on that good side, yeah, I guess you can see uh, what do you call that? Um, luxury goods as a good holding. Now, however, you have to remember, can sell or not. Uh, so let, let me tell you something, right? Let's say when you buy a Rolex, uh, if you want to sell it to consumer directly, you will likely be able to get, depending on the model, you'll get a good return. You can sell it at a market rate. Now, that's if you can wait. If you can't wait, you will actually have to go to a dealer. And when you sell it to a dealer, the price is not that good. Yeah. It, it's still going to be higher than retail, but it's not as good as the market price. So that kind of also tells you one thing, right? That why they're not offering you market price exactly or just a little bit below market price um, is because they need to hold the model in their hand. They, they need to hold it for a very long time. It means that real consumers at the end of the day may not be exactly willing to purchase at a market price level. Yeah. So that tells you one thing as well. But yeah, I guess in a way it's better than bonds. Uh. Mm. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Don't quote me, uh, please. Uh. <laughs> uh, rough estimation of capital A and Asia in future. Now, I think this one also you should actually come to. Okay, uh, we shouldn't keep saying that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but the point is that you need to understand how a business works. Okay. Uh, if you look, you look at capital A or A Asia at this point, you yes, there's revenge traveling happening. Uh, fuel price has been going down, so it should show good signs in that sense. But let us not forget, A Asia took on a lot of debts. Mm. Oh, interest rate increase. So I yeah. Yep. So, so that's one, and uh, they have a very good record, a very good track record of hedging oil and gas very badly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When that, that's when, what, that's when what I call oxymoron, right? <laughs> so, so they you know when 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 oil price went all the way up to 120, then oh they were scared. This they say oh our oil price is going to go 150, 200, and whatnot for some 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 very crazy price. Better hedge now, hedge now. Hedge already, <laughs> oil price go down 40. Then go down 40, I have no need to hedge already. La. No, also, so much. I just buy spot market can already. <laughs> oil price should be up 100. <laughs> so yeah, they have a very good, good track record of hedging oil badly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should you buy lithium and hydrogen gas share? Oh. Uh, no comments. I don't know because I don't look at those stocks. Yeah. I also don't really yeah, look at it. La. Yeah. Okay, do you foresee Malaysian ringgit and USD hitting oh, more than five bucks, right? Malaysia just went to another level. Now it's CCC, 4.44. Oh, 4.4. <laughs> uh. I don't know whether today is out, but at one point you hit that, right? Uh, so C at CCC, do you think it's going to go to 4.5 or 5? Uh, I wouldn't specifically target ringgit against the dollar. I would comment generally on dollar itself. Uh, so dollar is increasing interest rate. Ma. So everyone will want to change to US dollar because it gives you a better interest yeah, rate. Yeah. So uh, if you compare against Euro, Euro is already parity with US dollar because US dollar strengthens so much. Uh, if you compare against uh, Ringgit, yeah, dollar is doing very well because of that as well. Uh, to counter that, then all these countries will have to increase interest rate together. Lo, so that at least 
people will see, oh, if I change to US dollar, it's paying me 2%. Eh? If I save ringgit, also pay me 2%, then it's not so much of a difference. Then that will neutralize the impact. Uh, then it will come down to the economic condition between the countries and, and uh, US per se. So whether you think Malaysia economy is going to do well in the next three, five years, then that would help to answer whether ringgit will hit more than five ringgit or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you can see how US dollar interest rate hike even is affecting gold itself. Mm. Gold is not going up, right? And in fact, it went down when the interest rate hike. Mm. Yeah, then, you know, because like people are taking out money from gold to actually invest in USD because it's just generally mm. getting stronger and stronger. Now, uh, John T asked a very good question here. Any thoughts about the current development of DFI, especially the stabilization fee? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, the other day we of... went down to Singapore, right? Yeah, we met Julian Hobbs yeah. and the whole team. Oh, it's a fabulous team over there. Mm. Really like the vibe over there. Uh, but uh, specifically on, on this question, now I always say I like DeFi because it mimics the real world financial... Uh, financial playbook, right? Financial playbook. So when DUSD was on a discount, so it's like, it's like the past when, when the Fed keep printing money and then, oh, US dollar is like dirt cheap, right? That is a discount. So what the Fed did was increase interest rate, right? So DFI is using the same mechanism. So, okay. So it, uh, uh, it is, so DUSD was at a discount, right? It was so high that I think at one point it was like, 30% discount. Mm -hmm. So you can buy one DUSD with just 70 cents, right? Yep. Wow, great yep. deal. So what they did was, okay, in order to bring DUSD back to $1, they immediately increase the stabilization fee. It's another word of saying increase the interest rate. Lah. So when interest rate became so high, then it motivated everyone to actually change change their uh, uh, DFI, no, change, yes, change their DFI to DUSD. And because of that, it created so much demand on DUSD immediately when when the stabilization fee kicks in, it went back from 70 cent up to $1 already. So they play that economic mechanism very well. So uh, that's why I always say that they mimics the financial market so well that it attracted me to actually um, put my money into that project. Yeah, so one thing interesting about the DFI, uh, I mean, the Kicks team is that they they are not trying some new stuff, actually, not really too crazily innovative, mm. but they are doing a lot of things that were kind of like proven and then just put it into the crypto world itself, right? Yeah, uh, so the other day we went down and then we met them, uh, we met the team, spoke to Julian, um, spoke to different people there, and um, now we, we ourselves... It, it helped us to gain more confidence, actually. Yeah, I, I would say that it helped us to gain more confidence. Uh, Yo, by the way, they are changing to a bigger office. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So partially also is like they are, they are really hiring more people. They are changing to a bigger office. So they are not like downsizing. Yeah, some people think that hey, maybe they're just a facade, you know, trying mm -hmm. to show you and stuff like that. But um, one thing also is that their main operation is in Singapore itself. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then they are expanding, and I think the only thing I can tell you is, it's our own feeling, based on a lot of information that we have collected, intellectual decision which we have already said to you earlier. But can they fail? Can they go bust? Well, I think any company can go bust. Ah, mm. yeah, as simple as that. Lah. So if you don't feel confident, then don't don't invest. Oh? 
Yep. But if you think that it is uh, Amazon project that is there before the internet is proven, then mm. yeah, go ahead, invest. Yeah. And like we say, we are not here to shield them or to... Correct. Whatever know, we say is just another new piece of information. Take this information, go and verify it and then make your own decision based on right. those information. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for us, we are quite steady with it. Uh, again, like I say, at this point, I'm not increasing my my investment into crypto. I'm just holding the same same volume. Hmm. Yeah. And then just uh, ride it out and see where it goes. All right. Now, what's happening to the bank in China? A lot of news says that bank not allowing citizens to withdraw. Something bad happening soon. Got it. Got it. Uh, oh, I haven't read. I think you didn't read the news fully. Uh, first of all, yes, there was a freeze of deposit, but it's not country It's not country wide. It's uh, confined to Henan, uh, Henan area. And uh, why are they freezing deposit? Is because they are trying to catch people who do illicit activities there mm. uh, of course when China do things is they don't care one, if they want to catch a chicken they close the whole <laughs> barn down and then only they pick the chicken right so uh, it's more of that rather than a debt crisis or whatever so if you if you find a few more articles to read um, eventually you will read into the part that says that they are actually trying to catch these few people and yeah. in fact they already arrested a few of them already yeah, yeah. Right. So it's not like a country-wide bank run kind of thing no, where they, they just, don't allow they you. Close, like. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're very good, you know. So first, they, they lock down the banking system, right? Number two, they change Hernan's uh, COVID status to red. So people cannot come out. Oh, so you're stuck inside, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck oh. inside. Then only they go in and catch. That's the power of China, you know. Yeah. Like, like, super efficient. Mm. But yeah. it feels like you got no human right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's how Singaporeans feel as well sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, we are actually having a, our we we actually had an interview with Julian Hobbs. Uh, I think the video will be out uh, in, pretty soon. Pretty soon, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's scheduled to be out soon. Mm. Anyway, uh, do you foresee the strongest economic power changing in our lifetime? I suppose you are talking about China. Uh, if 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 that's the question, then China has a good chance of doing that in our lifetime. But we never know what will happen. Yeah, I think uh, it has already been changing. Mm. Yeah, it has already been changing. It's just that now we are reaching the climax of the story. Mm. Yeah, because if you actually think about it, when you were in school last time, China was nothing. Today, mm. China is number two. Yeah. So it, it has been changing. It's just it's just when the climax is going to kick in, you know. Maybe there's a turn of event, right? Yeah, and then two countries join as one, you know. Hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm talking nonsense. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. All right. So I think, uh, is there any questions here that you want to answer? Yeah, I think Mike Lowe has a very good question. I think let's take that question and then we'll end, sure. we'll end today's session, right? How do we compare our situation now with Merrill Lynch investment clock and who are the winners in this market historically? What you I thought you want to answer? Uh no, actually I I, I don't know about this. <laughs> I didn't uh, read enough about this. So oh, uh, yeah. Merrill Lynch got into trouble during the 2008 subprime mortgage crisis and then uh, Bank of America built them out. Um how do we compare our situation now with that situation? Um 
I don't see any banks in trouble. In fact, increasing interest rate is very good for them. They make more money. Uh, it's not like the last round whereby they keep selling all this subprime mortgage loan to other people where they know that they cannot collect money back. Uh, so I think the situation is very different. And of course, after that subprime mortgage crisis, all this regulation has already tightened so much that essentially there is no way, it's, well, not no way, but it's very hard to fail because of all these flaws, right? They have tightened all the leakages already. So this time around, it's a really uh, economic downturn. And I think it's a test to every company's balance sheet lo, going forward and see who can withstand this kind of uh, thunderstorm. And who will be the winner of this market? Yeah, look, like I mentioned, the one that has the strongest balance right. sheet will win. I, did, I didn't know Merrill Lynch Investment Corp is referring to that. Uh, that's my own interpretation. I, <laughs> I don't know what is <laughs> Investment Corp. I'm thinking that it is like maybe a clock, like like the debt clock. You know the debt clock? Uh-huh. Like they, 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 they talk about the debt record, like keep going higher and higher. That, so oh, I'm thinking like maybe it's... I don't know. The one I don't know. Some sort of like... The, 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 one, the one I don't know. If you're Subprime, right? The one that we are talking about just now that you're talking that about. The one I'm talking about was subprime. subprime yeah. which, which again, it's nothing relating here. But I think China got a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. Now a lot of uh, real estate cannot pay their loans. Mm. So now they have a very, very big problem with that. <laughs> yeah, mm. so... Very smart move, actually, when they actually close down the Evergrande thing. Mm. If not, it would have gotten worse. Mm. Yeah. So, well, yeah, anyway, that's uh, another story. But yeah, I, I really don't know as an investment clock. I hope Frankie interpreted it correctly. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. M- makes me feel like Google. <laughs> <laughs> later, later. After the show, we'll okay. go Google. Anyway, uh, I think that's all about it at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a very small one, SCG, asking what would be a realistic long-term return from our local market, assuming you do your homework. Yeah. Roughly around 6 to 8% uh, year in, year out. That's a safe answer, right? Mm. <laughs> market average answer. Yeah, market average answer. So if you buy ETF, Malaysian ETF, yeah, every year you get 6 to 8%. You buy ETF, well, well, yeah, you invest in ETF, ETF also pay you 6 to 8%. Yeah, but, yeah. but if let's say you manage to get some great companies and just nice in your lifetime, it flew, then congratulations all. Like for mm. example, if you bought Nestle 20 years ago, you fought that lady now. Yeah, then the frame is more than market lah. So it really depends. I would say that uh, let's take a benchmark of some good funds in the market. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's say we talk about like Kananga Growth Fund. They make about 16% on a good year. On a good year. Right? Average on a good year, they are making about 16 But mm-hmm. right now when the market is down, they kind of make about average 10%. Yeah. So I, I would say that like anywhere in between probably above 10, like 12, all the way until about 16 to 18, like that, you are considered a... Very good, eh? Because the question is long-term return, you know. Yeah, long-term. Your, term, your 10, 16% could be one-year, three-year return only. Yeah, yeah. These long-term, uh, 10, years mm. con- 10 years overall average return uh, you're yep. talking about. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's that's if you're good at it. Mm. Uh, so, so, if you're actually good at it, your return can be as good as ov- invest investing in US stock market. That, mm. that's the point right it's not so much about yeah so that's the good thing about individual stock investing but if you invest in an index then I'm so sorry uh, you better go for ETF in US uh. don't do Malaysia ETF uh. likely got problem uh. <laughs> no I shouldn't say that don't please don't quote me uh, remove this after in the editing please yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all about it for tonight 
thank you very much everyone yeah uh we're great to see you right so yep see you next week all right good night bye-bye good night bye-bye